At this point, I think we have to accept the fact that he is a legitimate existence in your life. That's giving him too much power. In order for us to figure this out, we have to acknowledge... What do you want from me? You know everything. You want me to keep repeating myself? You want me to tell you that I see my dead father? That I talk to him? That sometimes I lose time? That there are gaps in my life where I don't know what happened? That I'm losing my mind? That I didn't even recognize my own sister? That I don't know how to control this thing? I don't know how to stop it? Fuck! Do you know the secrets of making friends? They are so simple and easy. The Coffee Back Welcome back to the Coffee Clatch Crew, Mr. Robot episode review. I'm Jason Pistorino. I'm Christina Lomangino. I'm Ryan Gemmel. Ryan's here again. Yep, back again. <gasps> Love it. Love Mr. Robot. Miss it. If I'm very, very upset if I miss doing a cast. I was upset about not doing half the cast last yeah. time, <laughs> yelling at my car as I'm listening to the podcast back at the parts I wasn't there at. Good to have you here to review episode four. That's what we'll be talking about, which is 2.2 technically, init1.asec, written and directed by Sam Esmail. IMDb gave this a 9.1. And just as a note from our last episode where we were talking about viewership, episode three got 0.8 million viewers, which was down from 1.04 in episode one and two. Oh, really? how oh, is it going like down? Trending down. Maybe I'm hoping that long. people are DVRing it because... That takes that a couple weeks for them to get those numbers. Okay. Because it's on so late and it's so long, I, I bet people are like, let's just DVR it and watch it the next day. I can't help but think it's there. He might be making a mistake making these episodes too long. It yep. might be too much content for people to really dedicate their time to. I've been bringing that up repeatedly. If we weren't podcasting, it's very difficult to have it on a Wednesday night. 10 o'clock is already really late. And then when you look at that info button and you see it's going to run till 1130. Mm-hmm. Ooh, it's rough. And I, I definitely think that's reflected. And we'll talk about that more when we get to our ratings later. They have to start at a 10, though, because you can't say cunty at 930. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> Agreed. But I think the time constraint is not just difficult with their runtime, but also, like you said, it's getting very heavy and overwhelming with the content to have it run so long. And I also believe for as much as they're showing and as many scenes as we're getting, there's not a lot of plot progression happening. Right. So they keep replaying these same beats. And I was so eager to see what was happening inside of Mr. Robot's psyche, but I feel like we're just being shown this same battle happening. There's not really a lot of new information between him and Mr. Robot. I agree and disagree. It's a slow burn, yes, mm -hmm. but it's a nice, even, it's a good burn. And I think there is progression, and we'll get into that later, definitely. Mm. Let's talk about the, the title. Init is part of the boot sequence in Linux-based operating systems. It starts up the operating system at a designated run level, which is identified by a number. So init 1 would indicate a system is started up in single user mode, turning all the system users into one super user. It allows for completion of tasks in a multi-user environment, such as system maintenance on network servers. Okay, what was that last sentence you just said? 
multiple users into one. Yeah, it allows for completion of tasks in a multi-user environment. So basically, Is it like a root you're user in Mac. You're, you're single user. You're taking all these other people and turning them into one super user. That makes complete sense with this episode. Absolutely. Mm. So this directly <laughs> applies to Elliot's trying to move forward with his own single user, one persona. Yes. So right. in it one, it involves chess pieces, and the winner of the chess piece game becomes super user. Yes, <laughs> although I think he realizes at some point, and we'll talk about that more later, why it's not wise to try to defeat right. part of himself and that it would be better, like we've talked about in multiple podcasts, to incorporate them all, if he can, to fuse them into one. Exactly. So kind of on the nose here with the title, but they're portraying that struggle. And .asec is the abbreviation referring to Android Secure Encrypted Files. Of course, it's a type of ex file extension. This file extension is specifically associated with Google's Android operating system. It was first introduced with Android 2.2, codename Froyo, in May 2010. The purpose of an ASEC format is to prevent existing applications from being modified or corrupted by any other programs. Applications moved to an SD card use an ASEC extension. These files can then be found under the .android underscore secure folder on the SD card. So it's a secure way of, of moving these files before they're loaded as an application. Hmm. Even this you could see metaphor in preventing corruption by other programs. Yes. They're tying it in everywhere. It is very smart. Sam Esmail is a hard worker and... I think he needs to see a therapist as well. <laughs> we'll love it. In this the is his therapy. He's getting Yeah, maybe there. that's true. Yeah. At one point in the episode, Darlene actually says, remember the first time our computer crashed in it one. That was our thing, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. So even she's bringing it back to that. And we will talk more about this flashback, which unveils that history. First, let's go to the music notes. We had five main songs or scores that we could locate. One was The Planets, which actually had two. First, Neptune, The Mystic, and then Mars, The Bringer of War, both by the Philharmonia Orchestra. Again, they, they hit a home run with the music as far as setting a tone and uh, pushing us through. One that they didn't score that I really loved was the opening title sequence when they had the horror music. Yeah. That, was cool. that goes along with the, the horror movie that they mm -hmm. were watching. And I know we'll get to it, but uh, of course, I'm Mr. Jump the Gun, so that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> no, that was a good one. We also had Rainy Night in Georgia by Brooks Benton, Into the Black by Chromatics, and the one everybody probably recognized, Basket Case, which was originally a Green Day song. This was recorded by Twinkle Twinkle Little Rockstar. <laughs> so the lullaby version. It was perfect. I sh I'm I sure. I didn't I get it at first, you, and it just oh. bothered me. I was oh, like, really? what is this song? I know this song. I had to go back and replay it again. I was like, and then once lyrics started forming, I was like, oh, now I know what it is. Okay. I got it right away, and I'm sure I annoyed Christina because I, I started singing it. Oh. <laughs> and she's trying to listen and take notes, and I'm like, I'm just one of those. <laughs> okay, let's jump into our synopsis. It's long, as usual. We had a lot of scenes going on, but we'll take them one by one. The first, and I believe one of the most interesting, happened in Elliot's room. We don't realize quite at first that it is a flashback. 
Elliot's sitting there. We hear the knock on the door, and I think everybody I assumed it was present day, and we were finally going to find out because we left off season one yes. with the notorious knock on the door. And everyone wondered, was this going to be Tyrell at the door? And he goes, and it's Darlene. And for a second, I was like... Oh, that far back, though. Oh, was this Darlene all along? But you realize shortly in that this is happening in the past. Way before we met. Well, wouldn't Elliot. it still be a flashback if it was if it was Tyrell? Because they're in a present day situation. Oh, sure. But we yes. flash back yeah, back. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, back. I know this isn't happening now. We're mm-hmm. seeing something in the past. But because we're in his apartment and he's not there right now. So. so, no, it didn't unfold with who knocked on the door, but it did unfold with how we even got into this Mr. Robot storyline. Yeah. Yeah, and right before that, though, we saw Elliot marking one of his infamous CDs. Did anybody catch what mm-hmm. that actually said? Cause yeah, Van Halen, 1984. Oh, brilliant. Nice, dude. I missed it. Yeah. Okay, then we shift over to Darlene comes in. She's in a mask. It's Halloween. We find out that used to be Elliot's thing. Makes sense. Uh, she begs him to stay in with her. And they have kind of a touching night together. They start off by watching a movie called The Careful Massacre of the Bourgeoisie, which turns out is a fictional 1984 sort of slasher film. It was a little bizarre. 1984 again. Oh, yeah. That's when you yeah. were born, well, Chris. Very... Isn't that when you were born? Yes. This is all and about you. And it's a you. big year. <laughs> 84 is a big big year culturally for a lot of these uh, wink, wink, nod, nod. Conspiracy theorists. <laughs> <laughs> and in this film, they are basically debunking the notion that society is classless, uh, that that isn't true, that it's the same for us here in America. You see a man in a mask, and Darlene talks about how they used to watch this growing up, and it's the root of their psychological dysfunction, which... I'm upset this turned out to be fictional because I would love to follow that through to yeah. why she thinks this is the route for them. I thought it was real uh, only because, and this is going to sound so dumb, one of our followers on Instagram has a picture on their timeline of him holding a VHS tape mm. with the cover of that movie. And I don't know how he did it. Well, Maybe it was photoshopped. I don't know. I Maybe don't they know. created it. It seems like they, yeah, they created this clip of movie to put in here they had a little bit of a backstory so perhaps they went all the way yeah ryan you were saying something about tom got an email oh he got yeah he got an email about um to watch the full movie it was just an eight minute movie of this and it had tracking from vhs stuff in there you know Mm. Uh, and uh like the old vhs where there's a little bit of yeah while you watch on each side it was like a b slasher movie horrible acting you know no real plot and (laughs) suddenly this guy just comes in with a sharpened mallet end like or crochet oh not crochet crochet is knitting croquet croquet there you go a croquet mallet that's been sharpened on one end and you don't see it at first he's got the blunted when you first see him, and, and then he spins, he spins it around, it. and it's uh, pointed. So Was there an just... accented sound when he spun it? Like, soon? No, no, no. Like uh. that. <laughs> he wasn't unleashing a samurai blade. <laughs> um, but it was. It, it had uh, some really great uh, gore effects to uh, one of the killings. It was a skull being crushed, and it looked really good for a B-movie. Was the color all washed out? And everything? Yeah, in like a sense. I mean, it was... It was a bad movie. Like, if it was a full-length movie, it would have been terrible. So the, this was created by them, the, the yeah. crew? 
Seems. Yeah. yeah. Seems so it's I definitely bad so. on purpose. So. Yeah. Dude, this guy just has too much fun. He <laughs> plays with us all the time. I love it. Well, and the overall feel, I thought, was what was more important. It was actually sad watching them together because they seem to have a pretty good, relatively normal relationship. I mean, they do talk about their parents at one point and some other things that we'll get into, but it wasn't what is now. Yeah. And well, you besides see this Elliot's transform. Rel- his weirdness. Or yeah, which has always been there, but shut off. this actually makes us question even more than that. When did everything start for him? He goes into talking about how he got fired from his most recent job and he's seeing a shrink. He says he was on a project where they kept finding holes in the system and it was his job to make it hacker proof. So when they couldn't fix it, they locked him in the server room. He fell asleep and when he woke up, all the servers in the room were destroyed, but he didn't remember doing it. The judge made him go to therapy for anger management, and he says he get, guesses it's official. I'm crazy. Now we know how he wound up at Krista for this therapy and where that inciting incident happened for yes. him. Now, two episodes I did bring up. We were trying to figure out when we saw him in the doctor's office as a kid, mm. as a child. Remember, I was just throwing things out there. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't uh, cemented in the idea. It was just a maybe. I was thinking maybe... He was already seeing his father. I don't know if you guys remember. Yeah, it, me too. As a secondary a fake character because right. his father wasn't there often and whatever. So the kid was making up and maybe the fake father pushed him out. Right. Fake in his head. That's null and void because this is the first time or one of the first times where he doesn't remember. Yeah, well, I thought yeah. it was I thought it was the real father that pushed him out the window. But I thought his first dissociative episode could have gone back to childhood. And I suppose it still could have. But it doesn't seem he was inventing other personalities yet, that that was a thing which happened apparently beginning in this flashback. Seems like we saw the transformation take place because he goes on to he goes on to tell Darlene that Angela's trying to get him a job at Allsafe. They talk about how he doesn't see his mother. Um, every time they do, she shits on their dad. They wish they could remember their dad better. And so this is when they start. Well, Darlene does. Darlene says yeah. she could remember him better. I, I mean, Elliot seems like he had more time with him. They went to the, worked at the shop together. He was there helping him. You know, he stole that $20 from that guy. So well, maybe, yeah. it seems like they spent time together, but Darlene didn't get a chance as much. As I don't much. know what the age gap is between them. Well, and something weird is definitely happening with the whole relationship there because... We saw in season one that he didn't remember Darlene as his sister. We also saw that when they had the culminating scene in the season finale and Elliot was in the city seeing his family, she wasn't in that picture that he was seeing of his parents. Mm. So I don't know what's going on there. I don't think she can be that much younger. I'm wondering if she's a half-sibling or something else like that where they didn't spend as much time together. Half-link. (laughs) <laughs> but I think he's trying to bring her into that, and that's when he goes to the closet to pull out the Mr. Robot jacket. And he that's puts right. it on. She makes him put the mask on, and this was pretty on the nose. It seemed like we were seeing the switch happen almost immediately right. when yeah. he put the mask on. His voice changes. It's a bit deeper. He starts taking on the robot mannerisms. And his cadence, yeah. Right. The way he sits on the folding edge of the oh, yeah. table and his arms folding, right? You the way he moves, moves his head. Really shifting into it quickly. But uh, he remembered, say, did it seem like he remembered saying that stuff? Yeah, I don't think he 
disassociated yet. Yet. I think he was just building that character. Right. Mm-hmm. It was still a part of him. I don't think it broke off until he started doing things that yeah. he couldn't cope with and was thus putting the blame onto this persona and it split further and further the more these actions went along. So you don't the, think he had gaps in between from when he got that first episode in the server room that we know of mm-hmm. and him talking to Darlene there? I mean, he was I making... I think that was right he after. He was writing a CD in 1984, and you know that's how he hides stuff. He, maybe he was hacking everyone already and just doing it consciously. No, I think he was losing time. I just don't know if his personalities were splitting yet right. at this point. I right. mean, you can go into a fugue but not have multiple personalities that are taking over. You right. can just lose time. Right. Maybe he had smaller personalities that didn't really take over or have like just such a character... Yeah, they begin to shape. They don't yeah. always just split immediately right. and irrevocably like that. Um, think of think of that scene as like this is a horrible analogy. Plato, and you st- you start to pull the Plato apart, mm-hmm. and as you're pulling, they're still connected. They're still connected mm. all the way till the end when they snap, and right. they're now two separate pieces of Plato. Okay, and it's <clears throat> it's not typical though. I mean, generally, what happens is you have this really traumatic, inciting event. And there is a cleaner break. Not always, and that's why they've developed this continuum now where you can be on this dissociative level. You can have fugues, you can have periods of losing time, you can have um, depersonalization or derealization where you don't feel like you're inside of yourself, you don't feel like you're real, you don't feel like things that are happening around you are real Mm -hmm. and then it goes all the way to having dissociative identity which is the multiple personality. So he might have been starting to fall on that spectrum and it just got worse but I think we were all sort of assuming there was going to be a major traumatic event. Yeah. I... I don't think I really knew the time frame. No, I did. I lie. I was going to say, I don't think I really knew how far back they were until he put on that coat. And then I was mm. like, oh, shit, this is when it started. I think, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I didn't really know how far back we were yeah, going. Yeah, I didn't either. Yeah. Well, he goes on to think about that he should take the job at all safe. And it could be a Trojan horse. They could really take them down, Evil Corp. And at first, Darlene thinks he's joking. But he comes up with a plan to change the world. He thinks if he installs the right malware, trashes the backups, corrupts the data, and the hardest part would be after, the fallout. Yeah. This is when he starts talking a little crazy that he couldn't let them rebuild. Um, he would have to destroy the public's confidence to really finish them off. And she starts questioning if he's serious, if he's really thought about this. She's even taken aback by the level that he's going to w- this idea. And then he gets really quiet for a minute, and he begins to look at the blue screen through the mask. That was cool. And that's when the music starts, too. Yeah, the heavy orchestra. It's scary music, almost like a horror movie. Yeah. It was on per- Yeah, it was definitely intentional. It, it set it the tone. Like really it was did. great. I got excited. <laughs> like, let's do this. Was it, it was like a villain being revealed, maybe? In a sense? Oh, in yeah. In like a normal movie? This, so that's yeah. what they did in the, like the careful... What is it? The movie that they were watching. Careful Massacre. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now we shift over to the present. Darlene is on a subway. There's a woman with the VR in the background. Yes. The VR headset. Before you go on, I don't know if you noticed, whenever Sam has his characters in a train, 
Look at the background because he always fucks with you. Yeah, there was that so woman weird. with the bird. It wasn't just that. There was people with guest masks on. Yeah, and I was going to say that next. I didn't know what was going on. I'm like, where is, what is this? I don't understand what this was happening right there. There was here. two people on the right side with the gas mask, and then there was that one person with the VR headset on the left side. Right. He always messes with us yeah. with the background. Yeah, and I'm going to talk about that more in a later scene. He uses that with the cityscapes as well, and I think it's becoming more and more purposeful to show you the fallout of society, what's happening. You know, he's talking about fallout, and then we go and... Then we go to seeing real-life people and what they're encountering. Now, that's one of the criticisms people have is they would like to see more. Yeah, me too. Of what's happening. Mm -hmm. And you really only get glimpses of that behind our main characters. Right. Mm -hmm. So the only opportunity for that is places like subways and crowded city streets. That's right, yeah. In the meantime, Elliot is writing in his journal in his room. Darlene goes to visit him wherever it is that he's actually located. Now, mm -hmm. do we think the theory is shot? We know that he's in some place to get better. Yes. She borderline says that he checked in somewhere. Right. right. So I still feel like it can't be his home with his mom. No. She doesn't even speak to his mom. But right. she wouldn't, she doesn't, they don't get along anyway. But yeah, it didn't seem it like there was anything. Something. Even Elliot's well, we only not just interacting. Saw them sitting at a table. Right. Even and Elliot's it, not interacting, though, with her. And it's the same table. So it feels like that is a, the only place visitors can go. Right. I'm still going with it's a mental... I agree. I think it's still a valid theory. And um, she's implying checking in. I mean, she says he had to ask for help, and she doesn't understand why he did that. Right. right. So it feels like a facility, some type of psychiatric facility. He comments that asking for help was never really Darlene's strong suit and that it's an admission of weakness, but he feels like the only way to patch a vulnerability is to admit it. That's kind of a big step for him. Oh, yeah. But it tips her the wrong way because she needs to ask him something serious but doesn't think he can handle it. Can you handle it? He combats that by saying they need to stop all of this because it's too dangerous and we're on the other side of something we never signed up for. My boss was killed. He's really continuing to go back to that Gideon thing. He's very disturbed by that. And I think he feels a lot of guilt and responsibility. Well, that's probably what leads her to decide not to tell about Romero, right? Mm. Because he's not dealing with Gideon's death too well. So how would he deal with another person dying that was involved in this at this point? And he doesn't even think sh they should be doing any of this anymore. Right. That they're all in danger. She's like, I have to keep completing the mission. But, but that's just going to convince him more that, that they should stop. And she wants to keep going. Yeah. And let's not forget, he really liked that guy. It's hard to tell because his demeanor was never happy when he was around Gideon. I think he respected but him. He yeah. respected him. Gideon was very kind to him. He Gideon, opened last episode, him. opened a open up to him and got him to kind of open up a little bit too at his house. Right. Mm. So, I mean, this is a big deal. Sure. I don't know where I was going with that. Yeah, yeah it's true. No, it's hitting well, him that's hard. Why and that's why it would affect him. Yeah. That's an important part because we have been grappling with the Mr. Robot side of Elliot and the things that he's done. And is Elliot bad in a certain sense? You know, are his actions evil? Even he struggles with that. So I think it's important as a character-building moment to see him identify with a quote-unquote good man that he respects yeah. and perhaps wants to be a little bit like. This ends with an important thing where she reminds him that they always knew the hardest part would be after. 
And he says, that wasn't me. That was him. Mm-hmm. You know, and she counters by saying, well, I need him then. <laughs> you right. know, can we bring him back out? Because you're really not helping. And I thought that would immediately just be a blow to Mr. Robot coming back out. Right. Uh, but it doesn't happen that way, which I was glad about. It continues. And he leaves off the scene by saying he knows that she's keeping something from him. Oh, yes. She's asking him for help, but she won't even own up to what the truth is. So do you think they're heading for a major fallout? Well, one thing to point out is he's also communicating in his head to us. Like, this is what she does when she needs something. Right. She, she doesn't tell me what she needs help mm. with. It's her but default. She, yeah. Mm-hmm. But she lets me know she needs help in a, in a manner. Do you think it's, a, it's a, the beginning of a fallout? I think it was the beginning of a potential fallout, yes. Yeah, because when he finds out, we won't, we'll get to that, but when he finds out the truth, quote-unquote, that she's not telling him and all those implications, he's really upset about the news he's discovering. And to know all that's been happening and she hasn't been telling him and they might have caused a lot of this, I think they're going to come head-to-head at some point. Yeah. Darlene. Yeah, but I still think that they're very close. I mean, they'll be at odds, but I don't think it'll be. He won't abandon her. Yeah, he's never going to abandon her. Mm -mm. Now we go to Coney Island with Di Piero. She talks about how there was a name on each page from that list we were talking about, the three page list. Um, Each page from the New York office, including hers. And the thread amongst all of them was that they all knew Gideon. That's Mm. pretty deep. Yeah. And I don't it's even know telling. if I fully understand how that connection is formed. But it is important. Uh, what, what could it mean? Could have a police officer have killed her, uh, Gideon? Um, Romero? Yeah. Or another agent, someone getting close. Right. Um, yeah, is, is this bigger than just like F Society? I mean, how does this link to everything that we wind up the entire episode with Elliot saying he's going to hack the FBI? Right. You know, so I don't know. It, it was pretty deep, but they moved quickly off of that to they figured out that the group had been stealing power from a municipal power source and basically DPRO trying to argue that they have them, but everybody else telling her there's not enough evidence and they just this don't right. see so it. Yeah. Right. Uh, they don't see the, the, the anybody connection. could throw a party. Right. Everyone did that night, and it doesn't seem like their place. The and DJ w- Mobley thing is really weak. And why would they be in a place that has uh, F Society? This is too out in the open. Why would they be so dumb? And then she says, well, how dumb does that make us? Yeah. It took us this long to find exactly. it. <laughs> They're really pushing that in, in your face from the last episode where she knew more than the other techs at the mm-hmm. scene, and now she gets it when nobody else does. And the only reason they pay her any mind is she produces the bullet, the shell casing. That's right. Do you think that this um, puts her in a position where she feels like she's smarter than everyone, where she would do something for the greater good or a greater cause, like maybe join F Society? No, I don't so, think we I mean, know enough of her character yet. I mean, she, she seems like, you know, she knows more than everyone else, and they're all idiots. For yes, the most part. and I saw that trajectory, and maybe it's a little too tropey for this show, right. but I was thinking that because she's going against everybody, there's going to come a point where they say, 
you're wrong or this is right. a dead end. And she's going to have to kind of go rogue agent and mm-hmm. keep investigating them on her own and be right. the only one to actually find them and figure out what they're doing. I'm sure if they do hack the FBI, she's going to be the one to notice that. Right. Um, and maybe she'll try to bring them down on her own. It did seem very sloppy of him for, to do that at the end mm. from where he was. I'm sure we'll talk about that more. You brought up last time mm-hmm. about Christian Slater being hard hat Harry. Yes. And that was before I came in. <laughs> and that was the guy's name, right? Yes. On her. So could that be Mr. Robot? Wait, that was the guy's name on... That was talking to her on, like, chatting with her to get her off. Oh. I didn't even put that together. I just yeah. thought it was a wink, was, wink. Yeah. Could that... Mm. He'd have to have access. So Mr. Robot, yeah. But, I mean, he does when he... When, but how would that serve him? What is he trying to do with her? Just, just eventually to I mean, have a way to mess with her? He's got a location, then you can... I think you can find out where she's located. Mm-hmm. Maybe her IP address. and Might be able to look at what she's looking at. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I still... I know that... We're going to find out why Romero was killed. And it has something to do with Gideon. Mm-hmm. And it has something to do with... I'm still. I still think that it could be Mr. Robot. I, I think it could be Mr. Robot. It could be, or it could be Tyrell. Ty- Tyrell, Tyrell through Mr. Robot. That's what part of what they discussed. Although they do find the They're bullet leading casing. you to believe the obvious point is that they think it's the Dark Army right. who is taking out people that could potentially go against them and are making moves that aren't smart. They need to cover their tracks back up. But is that too obvious? So now that's going to be a clear red herring. I don't know. This show doesn't always play to the subvert your expectations things. While it's not following the typical tropes, it's not super, oh, you think it's going to be one thing and it's another. So it might just be the Dark Army after all. I mean, the whole Fight Club thing, everyone knew it through the first, not knew it through the first season, but everyone had a pretty good idea that's where where I was going. They didn't really shy away from it. He, no, not at all. So he he will lead you down a path that that where it is what you're expecting. He makes the details interesting and right. small changes in the reveal, but the main point is there. Yes, but also he puts he puts a little bit on top of it. Like we had suspected that that guy was, you know, uh that Mr. Robot wasn't real, but I don't think we suspected it was his father. Mm-hmm. We didn't, but point. my sister called that in episode two. Really? If you yeah. remember. I was like blown away because I had no I, I, inkling at that point. Well, that's because your sister's not real. <laughs> You're an only child. <laughs> Getting back to the synopsis, another scene where I, I feel like I'm only sort of understanding what's happening in each scene. There's so much more happening underneath the surface that's not clear. This is one of those cases. We see Joanna in a car talking about how she paid this guy, Kareem, well every week. I guess he's a parking attendant from yes. what I looked up. Yeah, yeah, he's, well, he's a parking attendant that the where Tyrell's car was last season when oh, Elliot was okay. found in it. Okay. Funny backstory, I live like two blocks away from that parking lot. Really? Yeah. I totally You gotta walk around see if there's anything there hidden. (laughs) Well it's very noticeable with that like Bing Crosby I Love New York thing in the background. But I always 
I would see it and I'm like, that looks so familiar. Maybe I just saw it some other time, but we saw it in the first season and I didn't make the connection yeah. because I just moved in there recently. Well, this guy says he will keep telling her story until he gets busted. What story is it that he's putting out there? What front line? I don't know. It's got to be about the car there. About the car? Yeah, about Tyrell's car being there and then that he doesn't know anything, but he must know something. That could be true because they go into the alibi thing later. Here, the driver says they can't afford to keep paying him off. Right. Basically, they're running low. They haven't gotten Tyrell's severance package yet, and it's clearly freaking her out. Right. That they don't have the means to do the things she needs to do. Right. But she doesn't want to kill him because that's what that guy seems to be suggesting, mm. that we can't right. pay him off anymore and we've got to do something else. And she cuts that discussion right off. Yeah. So... I guess we can cross her off from having killed Romero if she was ever even a suspect, if it's ever on that side. Yeah, I don't think so. And I think she's been there primarily to steer the Tyrell ship, and she might even be jumping off of that soon. Right. But we'll get there in her later scene. She seems like the type of woman, if she was going to kill someone, she would do it by having a ghost person come out of her vagina. Right. <laughs> I agree. Shadow kill baby. that person. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that is Tyrell's baby. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> oh, snap. <laughs> well, now we see Angie on the street. She's got her headphones on, and she's listening to her affirmations. These ones say, I place myself in alignment with the things I want. I dissolve all false messages. My beliefs create my own reality. All of my dreams are coming true right now. And in fact, it appears as though they are because she looks over and sees... Jim and Saul are getting arrested. Yep. So she went through on it. And then they had the music playing, another poignant song. Um, yes, she had them arrested. I didn't think, I thought she'd like sit on it for a while to figure out what's going right. on. But she just went right for it. Yeah. yeah, and she's like really backing that up with these super positive affirmations of, she's making this her reality and this is one of her dreams. Yeah. She's got her business hair. Mm-hmm. Bun, which is like really tight. <laughs> business hair. You know, a woman means business. But she like seems that. upset by what's going on, right? I don't know. It's so hard to read her emotionally. Right. I think she's starting to shut down emotionally. He's she's doing what Price told her to do. Yeah. Right. And that's scary because I don't know where that line is between I'm playing this and I actually become this. I've been worried for her about that. Well, if you keep playing it, eventually you do become it. Yeah. It's hard to stay separated from it forever. Now we go to Ray's office where Elliot starts to play chess with him. Ray tells him he needs to practice and play himself so he doesn't repeat his mistakes. And then he knows something's been on his mind since they met. It's burdening him. He believes in confession. He's done dark things himself. I'm still really <laughs> nervous about the dark things that might be in Ray's past. I mean, he's becoming a very ominous character yeah. quickly. Yeah. Well, we it's scarier later. Yes. <laughs> but again, we do, and we've talked about this before, we do see that he's really good with psychology. He's really good at speaking to people, opening them up. Oh, he's getting Elliot to do everything he wants yeah. him right. to do. He's got a great uh, voice. I was going to say monotone. That's not the right one. Like smooth voice, like a Jamal kind of voice. Mm -hmm. Bing. This makes me believe. (laughs) (laughs) 
This makes me believe that he actually is a counselor or therapist in some yeah, capacity in as his I, day job. I thought the same thing. Uh, you know, Elliot's thinking, should I do it? Should I open up and talk to him? I might feel better. But Mr. Robot comes in mm-hmm. and threatens him. They're all going to go to jail. This is going to result in his death, Darlene's death, that the Dark Army will come and find them once they found out that he turned cloak. Right. And I think that they would. Yeah, it looks like that's what's happening. So Even if they're not killing people off, I still think that they would, if they found out that someone was going White Rose a- after him does not or fuck someone around. had squealed, yeah, it would be over. Yeah, he keeps it quiet for now, but we'll get back to him. In the meantime, we go to a bar where we see Angie meeting with the lawyer. She's telling her how she gave all the information to Price, and the next day these men were arrested. So basically he followed through on his promises. And he's creating leverage, which means that he needs something from her. We didn't give the inf- She gave the information to, to the, the lawyer. lawyer and yes, the lawyer I'm sorry, I misspoke. It, put yes. it out there. Yes, definitely. Um, but they're still doing whatever... Price wants. He's playing them. He's giving them information and creating this whole... She's saying that he's giving himself leverage over her. I don't really understand how that is, though. The leverage. Yeah, I don't get that. But we do find out that what he's trying to get around, she comes to the conclusion that there's something in the agreement that the lawyers haven't quite figured out. Right. We assume the agreement is the settlement over her father, her father's mm-hmm. death and, you know, E-Corp's involvement. But she doesn't go any further yet there with what that link could be. Right. She says that she's the missing piece. Right. right? Just that she's it's her. She's missing. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they've been missing. Her tie-in. She's getting very full of herself. Whole world's about her. Everything's about her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was really, you know... Um, I, I was so lost with her storyline, and it's starting to unfold a little bit. But I'm still, of course, he gives you a little bit and then says, figure this out now. Right. Yeah, we get another scene later with more information, but we still don't really know how she is the X factor yeah. in that agreement and what exactly Price was trying to avoid. But we'll get to that. Now we go back to Elliot's room where Mr. Robot asks him if he wants to settle it once and for all with a chess game a game to end all games between them and the winner would take control of both of them. This just seems like a bad idea for Elliot. He's not winning enough, you know, in this equation. It's a life or death thing, but I wouldn't put all my eggs in that basket over one chess game against himself, basically. He makes this scary argument. Mr. Robot talks about how Elliot doesn't remember the hack or the following three days. He says, the absence of knowing, losing time forever, a deep black void that you will never come back from, no thoughts, no body, no memories, absolute nothingness. Right. That's too much. That's That's what he's grappling with. I mean, it's crazy. And he says he wants peace too, but they just can't find any common ground. I feel like maybe part of me believes that, that he really wants to work with Elliot, that he doesn't actually want to take over completely, but Elliot's resisting so much that he's brought him to this point mm-hmm. where it's one or the other. We well, go back to last season where he says that Elliot was supposed to be his God and he was only his prophet. So yeah. even then it was, he wanted to work through him yeah, in a sense or with him, for him. <laughs> and they've been bringing up that idea a lot lately yeah. about 
worship and God and prophets and what does this all mean, something bigger than yourself. Now we go over to Elliot. He didn't decide to spill all to Ray. Instead, he went to Krista. And I really liked that move. I liked that he decided he wanted it to be her to hear the truth, Mm -hmm. but he's still reluctant. He says he's thinking about the offer, the chess offer, apparently. She wants to talk to Mr. Robot, but he says it would just legitimize him. I thought that could have been a really cool scene to see her try to actually speak to that persona and what would happen. Instead, he sort of blurts out the truth, says he's been seeing and talking to his dead father. He's losing time. He doesn't know how to control it. Is this what she wants to hear? And how does she help, basically? Do you think Mr. Robot would even talk to her? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know if he would say anything to her because anything that he says is going to give away something. It's going to be something. What could he gain, right? Right. Yeah, what is he going to... Although at this point, he's at risk of losing himself here. Elliot's trying to take back total control. Well, so. he's already thinking about playing him. Yeah. So he's already winning in the situation. This is tough. She thinks it's a dangerous game because he'd be agreeing to destroy a part of himself one way or the other. Whether he wins or loses, this is all part of what makes him him and annihilation is not the answer. This is kind of what I've been talking about all mm-hmm. along, that he can't kill his baseline. But any one of these parts of his personality, if he were to get rid of them, is taking away a piece of himself. And the main goal needs to be integrating that all. He just doesn't know how to come to terms with that. And that's yeah. really what she needs to teach him how mm-hmm. to do to accept those things. But I love his speech after that. Yeah, that we're he, all about annihilation. That's yeah. what we do all the time, get rid of the parts of ourselves we don't like, mm-hmm. what other people think that we're supposed to be. Curve other parts. So you're saying he should in it one. <laughs> I yeah. hope he does eventually. I think that's what we're building towards. Well, it's interesting what you talk about, the speech that he makes while he's saying it about curating our identity, carve it, distill it. They pan over to White Rose grooming himself oh, yeah. right? becoming that something else That's in front right. of the mirror mm-hmm. but before you go on real quick ryan you did mention about that scene when she asks him how many characters he has inside oh, of him. yeah she says well who else are you been talking to you're talking to anyone else mm. in that scene i think and um he says don't worry you're safe you know, he's not going to tell them about us, that he talks yeah, he to us to all us. the time. But I think that that's affirmation that he is talking to other people other than Mr. Robot. I mean, he may not be, but it definitely he's admitting that he's talking to us. So the question lies, is he talking to anyone else? He's not being honest with her. Yeah, well, certainly when she brought up the mother last episode or the one before and said, why are you seeing her now? It was as if she was implying she was kind of like a Mr. Robot, that yeah. she shouldn't be yeah, there. Why are you seeing her now in Why your are head? you seeing her? Why her? Yeah. And we've always known that we play a different role as the audience, the way he talks to us, the faith he puts in us at first, and then having mistrust for us. I mean, right down to the amazing scene, which we'll get more into later, but we're having a meal outside on the city street and he mm-hmm. saves an empty seat for, for us. us. Yeah. I feel special. Crazy. I liked how mm. QWERTY was there, but I missed uh, the dog. Why, what happened to the dog? We and the fish. 
No, the fish was there. It was on oh, the, the fish was there. Cordy was I there. I didn't see. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cordy was there right next to him <laughs> oh, on the table. But I was when he said ho, that he was saving a seat for us or for you. I almost hope he was talking about um, robot. No, the girl. Can't remember her name. Oh, Shayla. His neighbor. Yeah, that he was uh, talking about Shayla because they seemed to have a real connection, and then it really affected him. But then he kind of just got over it. Really quickly. Well, or did I he? I think that his strongest connection could actually be with us. Right. Because no matter what's going on, he's constantly talking to us. He's turning to us for advice. Yep. He doesn't feel threatened by us. So we represent a very different kind of presence, and I'm, I'm very intrigued by that. Like, are we his conscience? What are we? Guardian angel. I feel like, in a way, we are his journal. Yeah. Also. Hmm. I'd like to hear what the viewers think about this. Please write in and let us know, who do you think we are as the audience? What role do we play in Elliot's life? And will we get an answer to that? Contact at coffeeclutchcrew.com. We said we were going over to the scene to see White Rose and Mr. Price. Mm -hmm. White Rose is talking about how it's a slower path and closing the plant is not an option. Price complains he's being pressured to resign He's got all this crap going on, but he's handling it. He's doing all the work. And basically, it's just going to take time. And what the hell is Rose doing anyway? Right. How is he contributing, essentially? Uh, Rose says he assured him that the UN vote would be in full swing by now. So I'm missing a lot of this. Right. We all are. What, you know, what is it that Price is talking about that's going to be the slow path that they're waiting on? And what does the plant have to do with it? We what can find plant? out what the plant is later, sort right. of, but it doesn't mean anything to us. How does that tie in? And what is this about the UN vote? White Rose right. is upset about not getting that in full swing. So I'm very, this is like huge. If they're talking yeah. about UN, UN, it's on a whole other level that we don't comprehend. Well, it's starting to unfold that last scene last season when we see White Rose talking to uh, Captain Douchebag from E Corp. Mm -hmm. Remember when they're yeah, in front of the fireplace? So we want to know what that's about. So now we know a little bit of what their concern is. And also I'm starting to think or starting to realize that White Rose, obviously this is a huge entity that mm -hmm. has their hands in a lot of things, very powerful, way more powerful than Elliot and his little F Society crew. Mm -hmm. Right. Why would they Or more involve, powerful than E Corp in general. Well, that too. You know. But why would they involve... Him. This, him and his little crew, maybe for something much bigger that has to do with the UN and the economy, right. something way grander than where Elliot's head was. Correct. But they needed F Society to play this small role in order to kickstart taking down this society. Because if you remember the end of season one, where they're having their first conversation, mm -hmm. White Rose and Price, they talk about the fall of Rome. And the man mm -hmm. that was playing the liar while sitting there and watching Rome burn. Yes. Now they go back to that analogy and he says, well, just like we talked about that Rome wasn't destroyed in a day, it wasn't no. built in a day either. So I think their goal was bring enough society to destroy the present society right. so they can rebuild in the image they see fit. And mm -hmm. this is the slower path, quote unquote. This is the rebuilding it the way they want. Somehow it involves... The banks and the UN and the government and whatever they're going to put in place with society's downfall, this is the thing F Society never knew what to do with. What after the fallout? Yes. These right. guys have a plan for that. So these guys needed 
Elliot and his crew to like get the marble going in Mousetrap. Mm. Yeah. And then they are creating the tracks. For Darrell then. And it's yeah. a longer track. And than, have them uh, be the wanted. scapegoat too. Yep. They're the right. ones that took it all down. They'll be the mouse that gets trapped, maybe. I brought, uh I thought it was funny and this may not be nothing or me looking too far into the show, but when Romero and Mobley are talking and they're like and he's like, What happened to the UN? In fun society, mm-hmm. I didn't know oh, if that was maybe shit. a greater hmm. meaning than because they're saying what happened to the UN, what happened to the people that are supposed to protect society, like why haven't they been doing their job? That's and what Romero I got. Romero was looking into the FBI, right? So there's I mean, definitely something happening. There. I just thought about that the, when I was listening through to the podcast last time that it could have like a dual, double meaning, dual yeah. meaning in that, or just a hint. I mean, it's not it, a little. They wink, weren't wink. even a major play it that's or maybe he was making an actual social statement question of what happened to the UN right with, you know some of the stuff that is going on around the world so so maybe white rose this whole thing is for them to find the u and the n in that sign mm, that's it. <laughs> missing it for so long we well, want fun society back yeah <laughs> i didn't i didn't really understand the next part either he says looks like he's opting for his e-coin strategy yeah what yeah, is that i don't know what that is oh, either oh to change to change our dollars over to e-coin, yeah. right? Yeah, like a Bitcoin. Bitcoin. Yeah, because but they've talked about Bitcoin on there, so this is just a new, a newer. Currency. Yeah, but they want to make it full on, mm-hmm. right? Like this is the way we would exchange and UN. So it would be, it would not just replace the dollars; it would replace a lot yeah. of the currency in the world. You'd right. have to do that, yeah, otherwise, they... how would you trade with other Wasn't it, countries? Um, Nostradamus that made some kind of prediction about the i feel like it was him that made a prediction about once like world currency is unified it's like the end of times or something oh, like wow. that hmm. i'm not sure i could be wrong but i feel like that's something yeah. i didn't do any research on that well too much control <laughs> right then yeah. if there's just one i feel like we're we just unraveled it well it's got to have something to do with it because they keep going back to the anonymous message which is in large part about, about banking the banking and central Slavery. banking and mm-hmm. about how the current u.s dollar has no value and nothing to back it and right. if the people finally realize that revolting and then what do you put in its place that's always the question so is this the answer if nothing's backing it anyway yeah you know, let's move forward with this new plan. But yeah. nothing's backing electronic exactly. currency either. Coins, That's you know, what I mean. Yeah. So, um, but at least they could control that now. Take can back. They? I don't know. I've always they wondered think about they that. Can. I mean, it's it's like an algorithm for security yeah. that they keep on running through. Yeah, and it they, keeps doubling and they doubling. They have yeah. ideas yeah. at different this. increments. What is it called again? E-coin. E-coin. Evil coin. Oh, snap. Well, if you think about it, our dollar is created by a private company the government doesn't print our bills that's right. printed by a private company yeah, so why not it's just paper the ink yeah or the e-coin um and i think this makes sense because a lot of what sam esmail does is parallel to the real world and what's going on Certainly. so this this follows that paralyze right paralyzation mm. <laughs> parallel that's probably what you're looking for well, and this has to tie into next he says they have to look into their scheduled two strategy which would take six months and so if they are rebuilding something like that, maybe that's part of it. Um, he also says they need to know what the FBI is doing. White Rose looks at DiPiero's report, which we... Froze. Froze. Right. right. Um, it says yeah, that it's it. classified and secret, and basically it's about finding the possible F-Society location. 
Nothing. Well, it says that they found they found it, right. for in a sense, and then I mean there wasn't a lot that we did, hadn't seen. No, it it's basically the report that we would have seen when she first pulled up and then right. called her headquarters to say, and she's I ju- "You won't that. believe what I just found." So right. that's what that report is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did we talk about them finding the bullet casing? Oh yeah. Okay. I wasn't briefly. Sure. Yeah, like very briefly. Briefly, because I don't think we don't know think where we that's really did. going yet. I talked about how. Her only real evidence, the way she got them to listen to her, was by finding the shell behind the game. Right. Behind the arc. But we didn't even talk about what that meant. Because we started talking about something Something else. else. Yeah. Yeah. We miss stuff like that sometimes. Yeah. It's just too much. I don't even think it's about missing it. I I think we have to see where she goes with it. Because that could go in any number of directions. If it's going to provide any proof, there might not be any way to match that shell to anything substantial yet. Right, but we do know that there was a gun there. Elliot reached for it in the first episode, and then why is there a bullet casing there? I mean, you know, you're going to think... I mean, we're led to believe that that's Tyrell, I guess, getting shot. That's what I thought about when I saw that. Even if that was the case, though, without the gun, they can't tie that to anybody. No, I know. I'm just saying, though, for us, though, it... It leads us somewhere. It, it's a clue for us. Something. It's a clue more for us right now than it is for... I mean, it's a clue for the FBI, too. Well, I think it is more for us. Because for her, she's trying to prove the point about who was in there. Right. They don't care if a random crime happened in there. And some... I mean, you know, obviously... Could they, they even they tell how old that bullet casing is? They can't tell much, I don't think, by it at all. So right. maybe they... Well, they might be able to tell when it was fired, if there's residue on it. Now we go to Joanna's house. And she's talking to Scott Knowles, who appears there kind of out of nowhere, scares her. He talks about speaking to HR and telling her that they can't release Tyrell's severance package yet. And we find out he's holding that over her because he says he has a problem, too. He can't seem to find the person who murdered his wife. So he's putting this all on her now. And she immediately bails out on Tyrell. Yeah. Um, she says she'll go in on this and help and she'll actually testify that he left that party alone. Essentially, she's not his alibi. She didn't see him till the next day and he's just got to get her the money. Right. Crazy. Very crazy. And I, uh, I'm, we haven't found out what that phone meant that she got in the Right. So did that mean that she now knows he's alive and she's throwing him under the bus? She didn't even answer it. Well, yeah, she did get the phone though. Right. She didn't answer it. Or does she think he's dead, so that's why she's throwing him under the bus, because it doesn't fucking matter anymore. Right. I feel like that's the only way that makes sense, because she was so gung-ho, like, backing him up 100%. So that phone doesn't mean anything to her? Well, I thought all along that that could have been from Elliot, and not Tyrell. would she think that it's from him? I think she must have known one way or the other if this is how she's reacting. So, like you said, either she's completely... Or she's just desperate for that money. I mean, she's covering this thing up for Tyrell in his car already, right? They're covering it up for what reason? His name, maybe? Right. I mean, the baby's got to play into that because she keeps coming back to the money she needs it for the baby. Right. And, I mean, Scott at one point says, it's Tyrell's baby. The baby's going to get what he deserves. Nothing. I mean, he's really, he's ruthless right now. He seems pretty desperate to me. Do you think... That if it was, the phone was from Elliot or Mr. Robot, that in the phone or what was sent through the phone was a video of Tyrell that somehow throws him under the bus for uh, doing the hack. Yes. 
Yeah. And that's why she's throwing this away and saying, yeah, I'll, t- I'll talk about him. Just give me that money. Yes. It's possible. 100%. And would maybe... He get, would he get a severance package? If yeah, he was, that's... I don't understand yeah. why even he's Well, maybe that's why she needs his to keep his name wife. clean so that they will release it. Maybe they're holding it because it's a criminal investigation. But if she but by her, throws yeah. him under, that doesn't make sense. So maybe well, she says, maybe he only he would know that. I, w- I was thinking that he shouldn't get one at all. But uh, I guess they can't do that until he's proven guilty. Guilty. So, so it's a lose-lose. We went in a full circle. We don't right. know why she's doing this still. Well, we've mm. never really known her full motives. Right. She's always been very weird because in her next scene, she seems to completely contradict everything she just said. Now, I believe right. she's lying, and we'll get to that in a minute, but... She's operating very bizarrely. In the meantime, we go to our city view that we discussed. Darlene's getting off the subway, and she realizes someone's following her. As she's walking around, she starts to become scared. I mean, we can hear these sounds in the background, the music building. She looks anxious. There's guys following her. I mean, they set it up. There's people following her the entire time. So yeah, I would be nervous. Any woman would be nervous if... There's just one person following them or a group, anyone. Yeah. But I think it's more than that, too, because she is also seeing some of the fallout with the people on the streets and what's happening around her. I think she's becoming completely overwhelmed by the entire aftermath of what they've done. Right. A couple of interesting things that are happening behind her. There's tourists that are taking selfies in front of a graffitied wall that says R.I.P. Economy. May 9, 2015. So we've been talking about this 5-9 thing mm-hmm. a lot. That's yep. the way they refer to the hack, and you right. have the 5-9 happening, so May 9th. You also see a decrepit-looking store that advertises a 5-9 mega sale. Hmm. Little Easter eggs that he's throwing out there for you. And is that, w- but then all those, is that where all those kids come out of with the masks on? Somewhere around there. It okay. happens around the same time I mean, where you see the you sign buy in the background. At that store, like the sale on it. It looked like it was closed. Yeah. Oh, they were closing that at, store. Y- yeah, or or even really old, just an old sign that was up. But Esmail's putting it out there everywhere. He doesn't want you to miss these things. And someone in a mask stops her. It looks like she's going to be in trouble until we figure out he's telling her where to go. And it turns out it's her old boyfriend, which I can't remember his name. Uh, but they meet in a bar, and he wants to tell her about how the FBI found the arcade. He assures her it's not the Dark Army. And he's asking what Elliot says about it. And she pretty much says she doesn't know because he's too fragile. She can't tell him the straight-up truth about this. Does he? Re- I mean, he assure- He says that he does. It doesn't seem like he's sure it's not them. It seems like he doesn't think it's them either from his point of view. It seems he's not, like, high up in it, or it's more like... You know, just multiple parts in one thing, but he doesn't think that it's them. Yeah, no, not not that he's sure. He assures her. Right. I think he's trying to calm her in this moment because clearly she's freaking out. And in an effort to do that, they then go to the bathroom to have some sex. Mm -hmm. That's very common. This (laughs) yes, but it felt a little sloppy to me because then. In the effort to make her feel better, he then immediately transitions over to telling her that he got a text that Romero was researching the FBI when he got killed. Uh, It doesn't look good. The Dark Army thinks someone flipped. And Romero must have found out what the FBI knew 
That's what guys do, though, right? They reveal all their secrets after sex. Yeah, That's why women have sex with guys, so. right? <laughs> Were they even done? What a downer, though. <laughs> yeah. She says, you're still inside of me. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck, dude? Uh, they talk about Operation Berenstein. Funny plan words. This top secret heavy surveillance. Uh, they're watching them, basically. And he says she can't take off, though. Because she wants to run away at that point. Mm -hmm. But he thinks it'll make them look too guilty. It'll get them in more trouble. And he can help her. Now, that's what makes me think he's playing her. Yeah. I don't like this calm down, even though all this crazy ass shit is going on. It's not the dark army. Um, The FBI is watching you. People are dying left and right. But I can help you. Right. (laughs) Because we know he's had... He was her tie to the Dark Army from the very right. beginning. Yes, but I mean there was a relationship there also that he can fall back on to. You know, if yeah. he's using that, at, at, he's using that to get close to her, or if he still has feelings. You know, it could go either way. Or to get her to stop what she's doing. I mean, no, he's got. He has something larger that he's trying to do. To pull out of her. It's obvious. <laughs> well, oh, oh my goodness. Yeah. I just said that. <laughs> well, I also think that his kind of searching for has she talked to Elliot could be the real thing. Everybody's trying to get to Elliot. Mm-hmm. And he would know that she's the way to do that. So have you talked to him? What did he say? What's happening? The real big stuff is not going to go down without him. Of course. And this guy knows that. But what is his Speaking plan? of stuff like that... Um, are we going to go to Ray next? Because that scene, how far until that scene? Because I started thinking that Ray could be working for someone to get to Elliot also. Like, not just that he needs his help in this, but they have an idea that it's him or someone has an idea that it's him and they're trying to kind of work it out of him. And he's getting close to revealing these things to Ray. And if it's a law, even if he's just trying to help him as a psychiatrist... He says he's going to go to the law, but maybe Ray is actually already working for some kind of law, not law enforcement, but another entity to find out if he did this. His actions seem a little vicious to be working for some kind of more by the books agency. Right. Um, The way he's got this guy beating up the tech dude, but we don't know enough about him to really. I mean, he says he's done dark shit. I'm assuming the way he acts later on. Um, and keeping the guy to watch over Elliot, that he represents a more malicious uh, organization. But I don't know. Right. I don't know what Ray's game is. Chess. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, speaking of, though, first we do go to the diner where uh, Leon is asking Elliot about the chessboard. Topic of the episode. Do you dream, Elliot? You scraping so hard like you ain't never asked yourself this before. I said... Do you want to be here right now? And I don't mean like here, here. I mean here in a cosmic sense, bro. Like, existence could be beautiful or it could be ugly. But that's on you. How do I know which one's for me? Dream. But he has an interesting comment. He says, back in the day, people used chess as a means of self-improvement. He wants to know if there's no who, then what? 
Right. What is it What's for you? What? Existence can be beautiful or it can be ugly, but that's on you. You need to dream. Find out the future you're fighting for. Just close your eyes and envision it. And that seems to really resonate mm-hmm. oh, with yeah. him, as we're going to see in a scene in a few minutes. I think it was good advice just in general for anyone to find out what you really want. Yeah. And I, I kind of always thought that Leon was going to, out of nowhere, have this super insightful thing. He's got all this <laughs> prattling on about nonsense, and he would just come out with it one day. Mm-hmm. Well, he's seeing deeper into Seinfeld, so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. First, we go back to Joanna's house. She's with her new boy toy, Derek, and... She's vicious to him in this. Yeah. <laughs> she brutally lays but, that on him. Like, if, she, if she's playing the other side if she's lying to him it there seems like no reason for him to, for her to do this say this yeah. right i yeah. don't get it i don't, I don't understand either. either she's telling him you won't be able to give me any of the things i want but i've had that before and they don't make me happy i'm just but she's with you cuz i love you that. yeah that is very strange and she loves him already like yeah how long yeah. have they been together and she like over reacting initially like crying about it to show that she's upset like i just wouldn't be that upset if you have a difference of opinion on what he's talking about maybe she would be taken aback and be like you're fooling yourself yeah you know into thinking you can do any of this major dj out of nowhere right and we know this isn't true she's going nuts about not having enough money right she doesn't not care about money how big is this severance package yeah, that's, I mean, maybe it seems like it's going to cure all her problems, yeah. but I didn't think it would be that big. And where is this kid? Yeah. We never see this guy. And how are kid. they going to get a severance package with the financial state of things being the way they are right now? People are on right. a $50 a day allowance. Now, I understand right. the higher ups at places like E Corp, it's a different conversation, but right. even, I don't know. A- she everybody. had enough money to get, she gave him a bunch, that guy, a bunch of money in the car, the guy that worked at the, Parking I think that's stuff that they've still had because okay. the driver kind of implicates it's running out. Right. Like they had some set aside. Under their mattress, they just have a Maybe. whole bunch of cash. He strikes me as the kind of guy that might do yeah. that, Tyrell. Yeah. And now they burn through it. That's I think we got to wait and see with her. She's very, right. very don't have enough information. Now we get the really amazing scene where Elliot is wondering at his future fairy tale. He thinks about what that could be. Could he connect with those he deeply cares for? Here he sees Angie. That's interesting because we haven't heard a word about that on his end, his feelings for Angie. I mean, they started off being such a close bond in the first season. Um, There was always that, you know, he was always interested in her. They led us to believe that. Yeah, but he kind of dropped off even thinking about her for quite a few episodes now. Right. It was interesting. It was just too much stuff other going on. Yeah. That he goes back to her in that. Um, Could he see the ones he loves find true happiness? He sees Darlene being proposed to. Right. Is that by the guy from the Dark Army? Do they just. I couldn't couldn't tell tell who that was. Yeah. But interesting that that's his idea that she needs to like find love. Right. Yeah. I'm like, is that really what's perfect for Darlene? She seems to be running away from any type of real relationship. Maybe that's Every why she, gets, yeah. she needs that. Uh, people I'd never dream of getting close to. 
making amends with those I've unfairly wronged. We certainly know some of those on his list. That was awesome. They had, uh, what was his name? Bob, Dave, something that he tore apart at Iron Mountain. Yeah. That was, that was cool that they put him in there. And I like seeing the, who was the, what was the name of the other guy that worked, that he worked with who had the Asian guy? Yeah. Oh, that's right. I don't remember his his name. name. And he had a like tall blonde, like. Girl, supermodel type girlfriend mm-hmm. at the the dinner. I thought it was funny how he he put all these things in there. Yeah, or what Elliot's perception of everyone else's perfect life should be. I think this is his perception of that, and it's pretty yeah, interesting. It's a- it revolves so heavily around interactions and relationships with other people. When all he's done is shun that from the right. moment we've opened up this season, but. Deep down, it feels like he really wants that on some level. He just doesn't think it's possible. He ultimately says to be not so lonely, and that's when they show the table of this big dinner he envisions having on the city street. And he says, even you'd be there. That's where we see the empty seat for us. That's awesome. And the evil court building collapsing in the background. Everyone clapping. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) While they're eating in the middle of the road. This is definitely a Fight Club reference, Mm -hmm. but... Oh, it was I've been waiting for buildings place. to fall down the, the entire season. <laughs> I don't think it was out of place. I think it was that that whole E Corp, that building, what it represents, is what he is like. It, that is what's killing him right now. Yeah, he needs it to just and it's also a euphemism of everything away. that he's just done. So that crumbling away is his dealings with hacking and uh, making that hack and doing all this stuff mm. goes away. It crumbles away and he's at dinner with all the people he loves. But I mean, Evil Corp is still the root of his pain with his father. If his father didn't get leukemia through right. the doings of this, so that it would never have created Elliot. Mm-hmm. So that encompasses right. all those feelings. Right. And Angie too. She's got, Angela's got the same thing. She, her mother dying through that. Yep. Um, real quick, I don't know if you guys noticed, everyone's there, even his main uh, F Society group, yes. except for Romero. Right. But at this point, he, he does not know. know Romero's dead. It's mm. mm. weird. Weird. Well, and that's what I mean. I, that's what I meant by weirdly out of place is I think that Esmail is putting scenes like this in there, whether they fit or not, in order to... One, have a little bit of fun and play with things. He could never bring down a building like that and do all these visually stunning dinner in the middle of a city street. If it wasn't uh, a daydream in Elliot's mind, Mm -hmm. whatever, he's he's finding opportunities to place those moments in there, just as he's finding opportunities to be meta and send his messages across whether or not they are the best fit in that scene or that episode. He wants those in there. Now that he's got complete control of this season, I think we're playing his game. Maybe he just doesn't think that Romero could ever be happy. (laughs) (laughs) But let's also not forget a dream. Things don't have to fit in dreams. We always have dreams where all of a sudden well, you're... Well, exactly. Yeah. That's what I mean. Right. He knows this is his opportunity to play. So let's have Elliot have a dream, you know? Yeah. I also think the, this dream sequence is the mark of... We've been getting for the last four episodes, Elliot just... He is uh, erupting inside. He's losing the battle. Hmm. He's, he's becoming less of a man that we knew, even worse... Every episode, worse, worse, worse. Um, and this is on the cusp of the chess match that he's about to have. Mm. This marks the beginning of his resurgence that we're going to get the rest of this ep- the season. Mm-hmm. This is the beginning of him being Finally, Elliot. Finally, something we need. happening. Yeah. 
this is the beginning of the in it one. Mm-hmm. Yes, because he boils it down to his thesis statement at the end of the speech. This is the world I've always wanted, and I would very much like to fight for it. Right. Finally, something for him to fight for. Yeah. To actually try. And we do move in the next scene to Mr. Robot and Elliot having their chess game outside, finally. They're locked into a set of moves here. <laughs> I think it's interesting what he says. Moves as determined by previous choices. The options changing with every decision. There's no help. There's no external force. It's a pure battle of two opponents, or in this case, one. It's amazing, the whole metaphor of this. He, he asks Elliot if he remembers when he first taught him to code using a computer chess game. Elliot's pulling <laughs> all of this out of his mind, these little pieces. And Elliot responds, but you're not my father. You're not even here, which is true. It doesn't matter what his father wants to put on any of this. It's what Elliot's going to put onto it. And he's, he needs to take those psychological steps to move closer to, this is a part of you. This isn't outside of you. This isn't your father. This isn't Mr. Robot. This is Elliot. And yeah. you need to bring them closer together. And I was so happy that he was getting to that point. And then he immediately moved farther away from it. He engaged with Robot. He got to a stalemate. Right. One after the next, three in a row, impossible odds. He comes to the solution that neither one of them can win. But he runs from that, too. He he needs to keep playing because Mr. Robot says he has to show him that fighting is a waste of time. He can't get rid of him. It's in his mind. Nobody's going to win, but he's persistent that he's going to make it happen. I don't know. I, I play chess and I was watching a lot of uh, those moves and some of them made absolutely no sense. I was a little disappointed in them, sacrificing some powerful pieces early, but I'd really have to go look at it again to see if maybe they were. I feel like that's something he wouldn't skip over. There might be Sam, some yeah. like, uh, yeah, Sam. Well, so, yeah, it doesn't matter because no matter how dumb his move is, it's going to be a stalemate. The next move but it's I, still him. Too. But I did look at the final move when they come to the stalemate, and it's and I'm looking at that, and I'm like, it is a stalemate. But I don't. Uh, the only way I could see that them ever getting to that is mm-hmm. if it was intentional from both sides to become a stalemate. Like it didn't. It doesn't make sense how they they all got positioned in that way. Well, it could have like been. Like, you'd have to know that it's going to be a stalemate in order to get in those positions to lock your pawns in those spots and your knight in those, some of those spots. Mm-hmm. Like, going into it, there were m- many more white pieces and black. They couldn't move anywhere for it to be a stalemate, but I feel like you had to put them in that. And that's what he was saying also, that, like, I was getting the analogy that they're he is making it a stalemate. Yeah, because he talks about after three moves, there's X amount of options and how right. that multiplies for the way a game could go as you mm-hmm. go along into the crazy number Numbers. Of, of possibilities. Uh, I do have to say the beginning section when he is talking about those numbers and the possibilities, the way he, he wraps it, mm-hmm. it's very poetic. It's almost a poem. If you, wrote, if you read it mm-hmm. in words, it's a poem. Okay. It's very nice. Well, it did sound pleasing. I didn't know that, but... Just the whole, every single move is predetermined. And with each move, there's this amount more moves that could have been made or can be made, blah, 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 all the way up to more cells in the universe or something similar to that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's it's very poetic. It's very nice. 
And often the way Mr. Robot speaks is sort of, uh, it's pleasing, yeah. the things mm-hmm. he says. I think that's part of the persona. And he comes down to, he's here for a reason, that he'll fight for what Elliot wants. That's mm-hmm. the bottom line. Elliot mm-hmm. won't. Speaking of fighting for what you want, they cut right over to Angie and Mr. Price. And she tells him, I want an office on the 20th floor. I want Melissa's job. This is non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. This is where they get into. She has figured out that in every version of the Washington settlement suit, which must be the suit with her father, correct? Mm -hmm. Uh, There was a piece in there that says a third-party company must perform inspections on the plant. And this is what he was trying to avoid, Price, I guess, by continuing to change things. Yeah, I mean, and obviously White Rose and him talk about the plant can't shut down, so... And he was trying to avoid the inspection because right. he thought it would be closed down if they inspected it. That's my leap of logic. Right. And so he had to keep moving around from one thing to the next trying to avoid that. That's why he gave her the job to convince them to remove the contingency. Mm-hmm. I don't understand how that would convince I them. Don't no. I don't know. That's where I'm lost. <laughs> and clearly this is the her tying into it. Right. The way that she fits into the puzzle and what he was trying to do by moving her around. But I don't know how you get to that leap. And I also don't know what game he's playing with her uh, because, because he's not going to give he her wanted, what she wants. Yeah, if that's what he really wants, then why wouldn't he just agree to it if she's the key to having this thing taken out and they're agreeing to it? And the demands are so easy. Right. He can easily give her that. Right. What does he care? Wasn't this the whole point? Yeah. Put the power back on his side. Maybe that gives her too much power. Right. Well, she, that's what that's what I was I was fearful for her after that. I'm like, maybe she's getting way too close to something. But he that she shouldn't be. He wanted that too. He was trying to teach her how to be ruthless and powerful and take it back by having these men fire and their lives destroyed. And unless he just wanted the power to extend to personal vengeance, don't mm-hmm. get close to me with your power. You know, just go sort out your own bullshit. But right. Uh, I think a lot of people like that, you know, in like a master apprentice type thing. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to show you all these things, but don't use them against me. Exactly. Don't come at me with it. Right. And um, he tells her basically, this is all in your head, kid. It's yeah. good that you got dreams, but not happening. And she's not going to give up either. Right. She makes that clear. All right. We go now to our final scene. Elliot in the hallway. Darlene calls on the phone. This is where she starts talking about, remember the first time our computer crashed and in it won, bringing us back to that idea, the central thesis for the final scene. She says we're in trouble, all of us, and she needs Elliot. And she, he specifies for her, do you need me or do you need him? Yes. And interesting, she responds, I want you, only you. Right. That's great. She wants Elliot. That was very surprising <clears throat> to me. I mean, she told him in the first scene she wanted Robot. So, but but he follows it up by saying he knows what to do. And I feel like he's leading to, he has to become that again. So I'm confused. No, when he said, you know what to do, it was basically that he was going to get on that, that chat, that uh, type of chat that can't be traced. Right. So he's saying, you know what to do. I'll be on that, that chat. Right. Right. But when he does finally go back over to that, doesn't he need to become doesn't this path with Ray take him to becoming robot again? I think it's going to lead up to that, but I don't think it has. Not in the moment. Yet. Um, but also, I think what they're trying to get to with 
in it one is that we no longer will need him to become fully Mr. Robot. Right. They can coexist. They'll go back to how they were before, working in harmony, mm-hmm. yeah. basically. And he won't have to forget things, hopefully. Right. Well, I think maybe it's because it's uh, Darlene. He has to work towards that. He has to f- come to a compromise in order to save her. Yeah, she's sense. the he... only one, I think. Did you know that Moses... Her voices too. Abraham, John, Paul, Jesus. In fact, many prophets confess to hearing voices. People like you, what you have, it can be divinity, Elliot, if you let it. That can perform that in and one command yeah. for him. Yeah. Basically. Started with her, ends with her. Yeah. So he goes to Ray. He's there to help him with the computer problem. Well, they don't know that. Mr. Robot doesn't know that at first. He thinks that he's going to tell him everything about F Society and what's going on. He's like, if you tell, like, it's suicide. Yes. Then Elliot surprises him by saying he'll do the job that he wants him to do. But it's only. It really, or we're led to believe that it, it is only so he get a, get access to a terminal because he tells Darlene that he has no access to a computer anywhere. It seems that way, but that's really weird to me. He knows Why? what going to Ray is going to mean. He knows what he's getting himself into. There are so many other ways that right. he could have figured that out. If he's in the real world, if he's in the real world, he can go out and pay for an internet connection anywhere. If he's in a if he's in a psychiatric ward, mm-hmm. he doesn't have access to... Like, no, but... He won't have access to anything like that. What, he thought that Ray was just going to leave him alone with the computer and not watch what he was well, doing? he did. I mean, no, it didn't matter. No, he left his henchman there. Yeah, he's he left his henchman watched. there, but he's still chatting online and looking up the FBI. And the henchman should be, is what, reading a newspaper? I don't know what he's doing when he sees Elliot go to nothing, an FBI website. Nothing but, in the moment. But if Elliot does not continue to perform I'm the sure way he's gonna Ray perform, wants him to, he's going to break his legs. He's going to perform Ray's, you know, uh, site migration or whatever it is. He's but, like in the middle of it. But yeah, he's not going, but he's doing his other stuff too. He's going to be traced back or he should be traced back. Although there were some tour things going on on that sheet of paper mm-hmm. that he said that had to happen. So mm-hmm. that would mean that he's on a private VPN and he should be harder to trace that way. But I still think that if it's the FBI, they're going to have an idea of how to get to you. Possibly, and I don't even think that's where the real danger is. I think the danger is what Ray's asking for might seem simple in the moment, but I think it's going to become a lot bigger, and I I think he had an inkling of that. He didn't know the extent of it until Ray kind of brought the guy in and said, you need to do what I'm asking you to do, but I think he's just gotten himself into some more crazy shit that he's not going to know how to deal with. And we know it's weird when Ray makes this comment to him did you know Moses heard voices too? Abraham, yeah. John, Paul, Jesus. In fact, many prophets confessed to hearing voices. So dangerous to say to Elliot at prophets. this point. Prophets! <laughs> People like you, what you have can be divinity if you let it. It's just 
begging for Robot to come out and play. Right. <laughs> He's basically exactly. pulling the calling card. And right. how does he even know? How does he know to say that shit to him? Right. Like that's what's going to get him on the hook. I don't know. It was weird. Maybe he, but if he is a psychiatrist, he has access to his... Other psychiatrists? Other, other... Can they compare notes? Is that... Does he have access? If he's been in a ward before, right? He would General. Have yeah. not, not detailed, but I, I think he does know more than he's letting on somehow about Elliot's psyche. Maybe he's sleeping with Krista. Nah! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, he brings in Lone Star. We find out that's who this guy is. And says he can get in touch with Ray right away. Right. You know, don't pull any shit, essentially, because he's there to watch you. And then all Elliot does is pull shit. <laughs> well, he does. But I don't think they care either right now right. about the shit Elliot's pulling. And he sees all the news. The FBI found the arcade. Romero's dead. Well, Darlene tells him through the chat about Romero. Right? That's right. Yeah. That's when he finds out about Romero. Well, yeah, but they weren't live chatting, right? He yeah. was uncovering. Yeah, no. He was, was on that's, live chat. That's when he said, you know what to do, meaning They're get on the go chat. To, yeah. gonna, I'm going to find They even you. mentioned it in that scene, like to go to that, where they go yeah, to have, you know, where to, yeah. you know encrypted I, discussion. Oh, I thought that he was pulling up stuff that she had written no. already. No. No, that was a chat. And that's why he was so upset that she hadn't told him about any of this and he was finding it now because he found out. He found the thing about the FBI, the the report or whatever, and the thing that said Berenstein on it. Mm -hmm. No, I think he she told she was telling him all of that. That all yep. was going down through. I uh, didn't know that. Like yeah, chat. that's why when you brought up. Well, but so then that's stupid because she went to see him there. She could have come back to see him. There was no need to log on there to have this conversation. Well, they were too far away, and they just want. She was just feeling freaked out about the whole thing. No, no. That makes no sense. She came so easily to visit him. Maybe she can't visit. There's no visiting hours in the middle of the night. Yeah, I was just going to say that. So he needs to, in this very moment, for news that's not even that new and crazy, well, she was freaking pull this out. crazy shit to hack onto it? She was out, saying that she out. might be owned. You know, that they might oh. be owned, that someone might be onto them. This, that's important. They need to react right away if that's where she's going with it. Well, yeah. We've also seen him pick up a phone. Right. Well, they the were talking the there, but they could, if they were saying that the FBI could be on, they could be listening. Especially I hear what if, you're saying. I just feel like something more has to be whatever. going on here. This doesn't make sense to risk all of that just to get on a chat with her. Well, he was saying, I can't get to a computer because the only way he can help her is with his skills, which is on a computer. True. Right. Yes. So that just went to, I can't talk about it now. There's a time. We can't talk about it on the phone. Right. Obviously, we need to do this timely. Yeah. You know where to go. I'll find a way to get a computer. He doesn't say that, but right. you know where to meet, meaning he's going to get to a computer. And then you give, you give me all the things you, need, you know about so that I can help you. And then he's got the computer there, and that's when he hacks the FBI. Who's your daddy? Yeah, to hack the FBI, not just to chat with her. But well, that was I my just, point. He's got a bigger goal, right? It's not no, just to but talk he to only her. found that out after all this stuff about Romero and that she mentions the FBI and stuff like that in the chat. What I'm saying is it's obvious that she needs him for his computer skills. Right. So the only way he could do that is to get to a computer. He, she can't tell him why she needs him over the phone. I understand that. So that kills two birds with one stone. Instead of, all right, wait till tomorrow during visiting hours. You come, you tell me. Of what's going on and then I'll find a computer this all just yeah I got you on that but you think this was the whole point of going on there but also this 
doesn't just give him the terminal that one night. He can say this is going to take more than one night for me to do what I got to do to help you. Right. right. That's that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. I, I think it's way more than that because it his opens goal, the doors. he yeah. says immediately after, is to hack the FBI. I don't think he went through all this just to get online and talk to Darlene. I think he wants access to the computer to hack but the FBI. But why would he want to hack the FBI before this? Like without that information from Darlene? Like be, going into getting the terminal, why did he want to hack the FBI? Well, he didn't know that that specifically was okay. what he was going to have to do, but he was going to have to do something on the computer in order to save Okay, her. And right. that wound up being hacking. I just thought you were saying yeah. that that was his goal going into it was to hack the FBI. No, to do something found, bigger. Oh, okay. Something more than talk Yes, of course. Right. What exactly are you doing? I'm hacking the FBI. Okay, so my last question is, what does hacking the FBI mean? What is Elliot looking for? What does he hope to do next? Is this only going to be him? Are they going to remobilize F society? Do they want everybody else to lie low? First step is to find out what they know. And if she is, what does she say? She's ghost or something? No. That she might be burned or whatever. Owned. First yes. step is to find out owned. Right. First step is to find out what they know. And then while you, once you know what they know, you know what your next steps will be. And... Um, you know, if, if they're onto them because of the F Society building, there's a bullet, mm-hmm. blah, 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 that'll all unfold. I would think it would also be to find out who it is that's leading these investigations or something yeah, like that. I mean, Romero was already looking for who, like a list of people. I think right. he's going to be looking into the same thing. And he had narrowed it down. DiPiero was on there. So I think Elliot's going to wind up getting to DiPiero very quickly. Yeah. Um, and then how does he stop her? Right. You know, basically, he needs to interrupt that. In the first season, it seemed to me that Tyrell and Elliot were going to be enemies, and then they ended up working together, uh, as far as we know. We don't know if he's dead or not yet, but uh, they ended up working together, and right now she seems like they're going to be enemies. And I wonder if it's going to be the same thing. Along those lines, do you think Tyrell will be a mystery throughout the rest of the season, or will we find out about him soon? Soon, I think. Mm. Soon as in the next three or four episodes. I mean, we didn't find out about Mr. Robot until the second to last episode, mm-hmm. right? About who he really was. Mm-hmm. So I think that they he could draw this out, especially now that there's... Although, like in the first season, they had the Vera line which okay. was like a subplot kind. Mm-hmm. Right. now they got the so FBI now they, have, they have the FBI as a but they also have the whole Ray thing that is going to be a whole episode of him trying to figure out sure what is going on here and how to get around it we have Angela right and we have uh, Captain Douchebag CIO V Corp or whatever I don't know his Price. name yeah. Price yeah well we also have the uh, his what other Scott Knowles yes, and Knowles. his Joanna connection sure Okay, so you want to talk about our ratings for this episode? Yes. First, let me tell you, Rotten Tomatoes gave it 90%, and to reiterate, IMDb gave it a 9.1. Wow. So higher than last week. I think, yeah, I think IMDb's up a little bit from last week. 8.8, I think you're right. Mm -hmm. Or 8.5. What's your rating? I give this an 8.5. So you're going down? 
I'm going down slightly. Uh, basically, everything I said previously, I found a quote off the critical consensus that I agree with. It says, when a show is taking place as much inside the main character's head as Mr. Robot is at the moment, this length is incredibly hard to sustain without feeling the weight of every minute ticking by. Right. Uh, that's it in a nutshell for me. Uh, I went, I gave it an 8.6 on my bot rating. I went up a little bit. Last episode, I went 8.0. And this is because they gave us a look into what happened to Elliot before this all started, before mm -hmm. he let us in. Um, I just thought, uh, I guess I'm easily satisfied. I thought that was cool. And the fact that we're seeing that Elliot is finally taking some steps forward. And that's one of our complaints. We felt like he was getting stagnant and he was just, we didn't like seeing him melt away yeah. more and more. So um, we have a little propel forward, which I'm enjoying and I'm excited about. Yeah, I about. did like mm -hmm. the, the reveals in this one. I yeah. liked it better than last week, I think. Um, so, so I would give it a, a little more. Maybe I'd go back up to an eight where I was with the first. I was a little less on the second episode, but I feel like we're right on the cusp of actual events taking place and we're actually going we're going to go somewhere now so it leaves me excited for the next episode yeah the slow burn might start going a little faster right i i agree with all that i just think um we're up to episode four right. and for a very long episode so to have so much happening and yet so little moving forward in a show it that's so rough. heavy feels a little like we're being pulled in two directions, mm -hmm. you know? There's so much going on, it's so long, but wait, what actually happened this episode? Right. How did we move forward? Did yeah. we learn anything new? So I always leave feeling very conflicted. Um, but I think doing the podcast helps, uh, at least for me, to unpack it a little more and get a handle better on how I feel. Yeah, right. Hopefully listening to it helps as well. <laughs> Speaking of listening to it, uh, another one of our listeners, our awesome listeners, uh, wrote in to us. Uh, about two things in regards to the VR that I, I spoke about, the mm -hmm. VR event, mm -hmm. virtual reality event uh, on July 21st. We had missed it, and we asked you guys if you either saw it or if you can find it, let us know. So she graciously uh, gave us, in watching the video, I saw that a lot of the videos, because after hers, I tried to find other ones, the video crashed, the servers crashed, mm. and that's because... Because we asked people to look? No, no. Uh, <laughs> within, which is the company that was running it, you know, it was a one-time event at one specific time frame. Right. So all these users went on there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it, it would crash. Uh, it, I think it was a 13 or 12-minute narrative. It crashed at six or seven minutes. Oh, okay. So I only saw the first half. And because of that, Within did release uh, a statement that I think it's now. They said next week. So pretty much now. Mm. It's available. Oh, okay. On their app whenever you want to watch it. Oh, I'll check that out. And also it's available on the website, the Mr. Robot website. So you guys can check it out. But it was cool. It's, uh, it's in his, it takes place first in his apartment, and we're looking at him. He's on the couch talking just to us. Mm -hmm. The apartment has an ominous feel. The lights are flickering. When Sheila gets there, which I'll get to in a second, when she walks into the bedroom, mm -hmm. the lights turn on automatically. It was definitely cool. And he uh, smokes. And he gets high. And when he gets high, he blows it out, the smoke out on us. And then we get high and we actually start floating up. <laughs> and he's actually narrating like how high we're both feeling. From the top of the ceiling. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So Sheila walks in. She knocks. Do, do, do. She walks in. She sees that he's baked and makes him promise to get her high later. They go on an outing that she's planned 
to Coney Island. While they're on the Ferris wheel, she tells him she chose Coney Island because she saw a photo in his apartment that was taken there. Elliot gets defensive and tells her she shouldn't go through his stuff. The outing turns sour as Elliot tells Shayla she's uh, his drug dealer and nothing more. (laughs) Rebuffed and hurt, Shayla starts humming. Elliot recognizes the song as one that's been stuck in his head. He excitedly asks her what it is, and Shayla tells him she likes to hum to herself, and it's just a song she made up. Elliot realizes that song has been driving him crazy, has really been in his memories of Shayla trying to break through. So basically, what we're, what we're witnessing here is not a flashback. It's what you, you brought this up, that he's been hurt earlier. Um, that he think, you think his, her death right, means really more to him, him than what they're showing us. Right. And this is showing that it is affecting him. He's thinking about her. Um, after this, a romantic interlude on the boardwalk follows, which develops into a montage of silhouettes of Shayla and Elliot dancing. Hmm. Elliot never dances. Right. It's very, like, it's uh, hypnotic. Back in Elliot's apartment, the two are high and lying side by side on Elliot's bed. Shayla asks for another hit, and when Elliot starts to turn away to pick up the joint, she stops him and asks that he never forget her. Uh He tries to answer, but she can't hear him as the memory starts to break up. Shayla keeps asking why he frantically, frantically tries to keep the memory alive. The memory is lost, leaving Elliot alone in his bed, trying to cup her face in his hand. After a few moments, he pulls his hood up, gets out of bed, sits down in front of his monitors, and goes to work. So thank you, Vicky, for finding us the video. Um, it's telling. It's, it's basically... When do you think this takes place? Like, he's in his apartment still? No, I think this is in his head. Okay. All right. The whole so about when, they're, when they're together, are they in his apartment? Yes. Oh, yeah, when okay. they get back. Okay. From Coney Island, they're on his bed. And is there a point where she's gone and it's just him? At the end. Yeah. In the, the apartment? Yeah. Or, okay. Yeah, yeah it, it feels dissipates like in the bed. In real life, maybe it could have been between seasons one and two. Or do you think it could you have know, been like Elliot? just at some point after she died when he was really... There was a big... I thought there was a big jump in time between when she died and them dealing with the next episode or whatever. I believe so. I, I think the reason I like to think of it as that is because like we were talking about in this episode we see him going back to a lot of things the guy that he had to break down and make him feel like shit mm-hmm. Gideon I mean things going back very far things that are recent anything he had to do negatively That's why I wish there was some Shayla thing going on there I yeah. mean Cordy sort of represented that cuz it was her fish initially Right I don't know. There was none of her there. I think that it's important, though, that we see him grapple with it because this is the main reason that he can't let Mr. Robot in. If he can't deal with these things that he's done bad when he was Elliot, how could he possibly deal with the additional crazy things he's done as Mr. Robot? Yeah. He really can't bear the weight of that. So I like the importance of that. So now we know what it's about, mm-hmm. and let's see if there's anything more that uh, results in that in the main storyline. But if it doesn't, it's still good enough to, to let us know that he didn't just forget her. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, Vicky, thank you again. She also wrote to us about um, my comment I had about there being a face in the blood of Romero when, when after he's killed. And she wrote, you guys had mentioned that you saw a face or skull. I'm not sure where you were referring to. I think I see paw prints on the left side of Romero's body in the white paint or whatever that white stuff is. It is close to his upper left shoulder on the pavement. 
At first, I thought it was a dog print, but then I remembered the mother mentioned a cat. If you see it, what do you think it is, if anything? It could be a small dog print, a flipper, or a cat. There might also be a print right below it that is either an animal or the print of a small person's barefoot. And she also said, I don't see the face. Let me get this picture up for you guys. Yeah, the face was a little obscure. It was kind of like when people look for the Virgin Mary image in yeah. their burnt toast. Mm. So, you know, if you do zoom in, you have the blood on the tile to the upper right. You know, if you think of the four tiles where the blood is, the one on the right, there is a light spot in the dark red of the blood. Mm-hmm. The lighter area is where Jason's talking about it, looking. And um, if you close up, it's, it's more like a skull image, if you think of just bone, the way that would look. More like in a horror movie. But you have to zoom in to really get that. Yeah, and I, and I did say it kind of jokingly because I know that it's not meant to... I, I really think it's not meant to be a face or anything. Right. I was just trying to have a little bit of fun with the scene. <laughs> we also took a look at the paint to see if it looked like paw prints or anything. To me, I think it's less deliberate than that. It looks like splatters. Yeah, it's I on see his what shirt. she means, yeah. the bottom left, with the one dot and the three on top. But I think that is just accidental, the bottom mm. left. Oh, this one? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think so. And it's on his shirt, and it's on the right side of Romero on the phone. So if we think about this, you would think, okay, if it's, if it's paint splatter, maybe when he got shot, he like threw the yes. paint. Yes, right. yep. I would think that too, except for the fact that there's paint on top of the phone with the phone already being broken and open. Right. If the paint was, was going to hit the phone, it wouldn't be in the inside of the phone because right. it obviously would have broken after it hit the ground. Well, somebody scares him. He drops the phone. Then they come at him. He falls to the ground with the brush in his hand and the paint flies on top of everything. Or maybe they throw the phone. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think the, the question for me here, this stuff is, is cool to look at just because it's fun and interesting to find puzzles. Uh, but why did they give us the close-up? Is this kill scene going to be important? The details of it? What's happening with the phone? Why the paint? Is there some kind of DNA proof that they could link back to somebody? Perhaps that's why she brings up the cat. You know, if he walked through it, does that tie in somehow? Right. Yeah, I wonder. Vicky, thank you again for writing in. It made us take a closer look at this image, and we really love when our listeners contact us and create this conversation between each other. Um, it makes it more fun for us, more enjoyable, and more interactive. Absolutely. Uh, so, Vicky, again, if you have anything else to tell us, let us know, and anyone else listening, contact at coffeeclatchcrew.com. Also, we ask you to rate and review us on iTunes. We're getting more and more listeners, so some of you guys are definitely telling your friends. If so, thank you, and please continue to spread the word. We're hoping that uh, we get some sponsors eventually so that we can actually commit more time to doing other shows as well and uh, make this show even bigger. Uh, before we go, uh, if you guys remember, Ryan went last week to the Mr. Robot store that was closing the following day, and it was already closed for that day. Right. So you went the next day? Yeah, I went the next day. I went Saturday. How was um, it? It was really cool. Uh, they had a lot of Mr. Robot stuff that you could buy, some Evil Corp or E-Corp sticky notes and uh, E-Corp pens. They had masks and hoodies. Uh, I really didn't uh, look at the hoodie too close, but it just seemed like a black hoodie. <laughs> it didn't. I don't think it said 
anything about uh, F Society or anything. Right. But they had F Society shirts and uh, other stuff like that. They had uh, a huge, like, uh, a girl shirt, like a big shirt that had, um, like, the colored uh, F Society mask was the entire thing. So oh, wow. Mm-hmm. It took up the entire shirt, which was really cool. And they had other video game stuff and other hacking books on display there. They had the ATM. Did we talk about that last time? You talked about what so. it's about? Yeah. So um, basically what happens is there are two things that were, they would give away free stuff, basically. There was the ATM. And when I got there, it was nothing. There, there was nothing. It was just a flashing blue sign that said it was rebooting. Okay. So, and I looked, pressed some buttons, nothing would happen. So, you know, I'm looking around the store and then I see some other people go over to it and there's some other screens that I hadn't seen before. They had a screen iPad set up next to it that looked like it was like an interface between the two, but it just had a static images that kept erroring out saying about eCorp and what it was about. So it said revolutionize.py. It looks like an error code from Evil Corp. The system has located you in... C slash user slash bin slash evil corp slash ATM of uh, hashtag disrupt story, which is story is the name of the place that these the store where they have themes and every month they have a different theme. So Mr. Robot was a theme this month. And then it says more about the action you wish to take on this ATM will disrupt the wealth of evil corp, otherwise known as E Corp, multinational conglomerate that controls 70% of the world's debt. Its missions to maintain its power. So, hacking into this ATM, you're taking what's rightfully yours from the 1%. It just kept saying that over and over again. But when you actually go to the ATM and get on the screen, uh, some other guys went to it and they were trying some codes and stuff. And I wasn't like hovering over them, but I was like paying attention to what was going on. And one of the guys goes over and he gets $20 out of it. And uh, I was trying to listen in to what they were talking about, saying that the code, but he wouldn't give it away, even to his friend he was talking oh, wow. to. So <laughs> Why wouldn't you? I, was, I don't know. Huh. I don't know why not. But later on, I was walking around because I was like, do you know how often the machine goes back how, when I can try the ATM? And they're like, oh, I don't know. It's, you know, every once in a while. Random. So I'm like, do you know if they change the code every time or anything like that? And he's like, no, I don't know, but just follow the directions. And I'm like, okay, I don't know what that means, but all right. <laughs> so we're, we were looking around the store. They had um, they had this cool setup uh, that would stream Steam games to it, and it was two arcade sticks, and you like bolted to a wall. It had plasma monitor inside, so you could play video games on it. Two, on the two, ATM? Two pe- no, not on the ATM. This oh. is in a different part of the store. Okay. And you could buy, I think it was $2,500 for the whole unit, but it was it was good. You like bolted it on the wall, and it was just like having an arcade cabinet right there. <coughs> That's cool. So um, me and my girlfriend, we played uh, some Street Fighter Five. Nice. And then uh, we went. We kept looking around the store, looking at all the different stuff. She saw these gold shoes that had LEDs on the bottom. She was very tempted to buying them. Also, another jacket she she was thinking about buying. I was looking at the Mister Robot stuff because they had they had the script also of the first Mister Robot episode on like a that. desk. So yeah, cool. I took a picture and sent it to you, and That's it was so the whole cool. entire first uh, episode, which was really cool. But eventually, um, I saw the. ATM start changing screens again. So I went over and checked it out and it flashes through and shows you a little video of the uh, mascot of uh, F Society. 
and it just says enter code. Well, the guy said pay attention to the directions, and the only directions are enter code. So I'm going to type in C O D E on the on there, and I don't even know if both if most ATMs have the letters on there also. Do they, or is it just numbers? Just numbers. Yeah. So I mean, this was weird that it would have the no, no, the no. letters on there also, yeah. and then I got twenty dollars out of it, so which I just... think was great marketing for the store. We're gonna every. 45 minutes to an hour, one person in the store can win $20 to then spend in the store. It's basically like you're getting anything you want inside right. the store. For 20 and, Yeah, and it was a, a good way to promote. Because you're going to not only spend $20, you're going to end up spending more money, which I did, than the $20. Why wouldn't that guy's friend tell him it was code? I don't know. What the fuck? What Just, an asshole. Yeah. So you were in that store for a while. Yeah, I was in the store for a while. The other thing they had was a vending machine with water in it. Mm -hmm. And it had water bottle in it and another like high price item. Okay. You couldn't put money into it though. Uh, What it said on the screen was to write on Twitter about hashtag Mr. Robop and then hashtag disrupt story. And then it would have a random number after it, like three digit number. It was like seven, two, four or whatever. Okay. And basically what it was is when you would enter that, it would, once it saw that co- that code come up on Twitter, yeah, it would just dispense something out of the vending machine. Either so water just or get, high price item. Yeah, I just got water every, each time. And my girlfriend also, she put it in a few times to get more water. She was trying to get a water bottle out of it. I'm like, too much. You know, they're being nice giving us the water already. Yeah. I don't want to take uh, take away from their generosity. Yeah. You know? It's so, so cool, but she. So she she tried it three times, but she left the wa- she left the water at the bottom for the next person okay. to to take it. Nice. So it was fun though. It was a lot of fun going there. It is there. fun. It's different. Well, they also had popcorn. They had a popcorn. Um, oh, I saw that Spencer. That looked just like the one in their arcade. Right? Yeah, it That's was smaller cool. though, I think, but it looked very similar. Nice. And you uh, heard our request on the podcast, yeah. and you got us some stuff, which was really awesome. It was amazing. You got us a Mr. Robot sign um, hat, which hat you can, mask. mask, mask, yeah, which you can uh, you can hear I'm talking from it right now, right, which is really cool. And you also got us uh, an awesome bottle opener, yeah, that it's like it's like a credit card, like yeah, it's like a metal like credit card, and then the mustache is the bottle opener part, yeah, so, so that cool, was pretty cool. So. And uh, we're gonna take a picture of it and put it up on our Twitter and our Facebook and on our Instagram. Yeah. CKC Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and Coffee Clatch Crew on Facebook. Yeah, and hashtag uh, Disrupt Story because I'm sure they'll love And that. hashtag yeah. Disrupt Story. Yeah, I like that. Thank you, Ryan. Um, no problem. I wish I could be there. It sounds like a fun time. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we got to vicariously experience it, though. That yeah. was pretty cool. And the pictures. Yeah. We really well, I have a video, pictures. too, but I, I didn't think it would translate sending it, so you guys can see it after this. Okay, cool. So. So, yeah, look for those pictures. And if you viewers, if any of you had an experience with this store, we'd love to hear about it. And that's it for today. Next week, we'll be reviewing episode five, Logic Bomb. Thanks for listening. Until next time, this round's on me. This round is on me.